Business leaders today need to go beyond meetings and management. There are action steps that nearly every leader needs to know to align with their core values and get the important priorities done. Welcome to the Grow Forward Today podcast with Paul D. Casey. Whether you're just starting out as a leader in your organization or have been a seasoned professional who wants to explore new ideas and practices, this will be an enlightening and highly applicable program. And now, your host, Paul Casey. Think everyone around you trusts you? Well, you might be correct and you might not be correct. Listen in on how to better assure that you are. Today on episode 16 of the Grow Forward Today podcast, you'll meet my guest, Reiner Kuhns, a leadership trainer and coach that can bring out your best. Let's learn from Reiner about how to be more trustworthy and how that relates to your personal leadership development. Ready to grow forward? Welcome, friends. When I think about our episode topic today of trust, I think about the game of Jenga, where you build a tower one block at a time, slowly and carefully, with precision and strategy, until somewhere into the game, one of those misplaced blocks makes the whole tower tumble. Game over. Built over time and lost in a moment. Then I read a stat this week that said that 82% of employees don't fully trust that their manager tells the truth. Whoa, it makes me think, what are managers doing that is giving this non-trustworthy impression? Well, a book I'd recommend to get to that answer is The Speed of Trust by Stephen Covey. But whether you're in a leadership position or not, to have the character trait of trustworthiness would be a great reputation to have. Team builders get teased about doing the trust fall activity, where a person closes their eyes and falls safely back into the arms of ready teammates. So no trust falls today, but I bet we'll all learn how to be more like those teammates who were worthy of trust. My guest today is Reiner Kuhns. Here's a little bit about Reiner. He's been training leaders for over 40 years. He received his doctorate in education in 1993. His extensive experience as a university professor, pastor, and coach uniquely equip him to serve a wide variety of clients. Reiner currently teaches at the University of Massachusetts, Vincennes University, and Olympic College. Reiner regularly provides leadership training for the U.S. Department of Defense and many other organizations. He loves to inspire groups as a teacher and conference speaker, and he's passionate about coaching and training leaders and their teams around the world. Helping individuals and organizations reach their goals is his calling. Reiner and his wife, Susan, have been married for 40 years and have five children. Reiner was my first coach. I went to his seminar on Coaching 101 at a conference. I volunteered to be his onstage practice client, and then I booked his services shortly afterward. He trained me in the coaching basics, and he pointed me to the organization that actually certified me as a coach, and he still coaches me today and has become a good friend along the way. Welcome, Reiner. Hey, thank you, Paul. What a privilege to be with you. And uh, thanks for reminding me of our longstanding history. Uh, we, we've come a long way together. <laughs> true, true, true. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been training and coaching leaders for four decades, Reiner. Why is developing leaders, and I emphasize that word versus maybe an individual performer, why is developing leaders so important to you and really so important to our world today? That's a great question, Paul. Um, you know, 
I think it's self-evident that leaders set the tone for any organization or a, an entire nation or a family. And if you're a student of history, even a cursory glance tells us that history is loaded with examples of poor leadership. Um, so with all that, uh, before my time on earth is done, I want to leave an impact on this world for good. I want to help leaders succeed and therefore increase the probability that they and those they lead will accomplish their mission. Uh, our world desperately needs sacrificial servant leaders, not self-centered leaders. And I definitely want to be part of promoting that. So there's a little bit of an insight into why I do what I do, and I'm passionate about coaching and training leaders. Yeah, I concur. And the leadership uh, space is uh, filled with many different speakers and coaches. I'm proud to be uh, also one of those who really believe, like you do, that leaders do set the tone in any group they are a part of. Reiner, you brought up that term sacrificial servant leaders. What does that, what does that mean to you? You know, um, we could define it or use different, you know, synonyms, uh, being all truly altruistic. Uh, but um, it, it, it's all about realizing that at the end of the day, the only thing that's really fulfilling is helping a, another human being genuinely. And doing it for no other reason than you, you genuinely care about them. If you're doing it for, with ulterior motives, you want benefit, you want money, you want uh, influence, you know, that tends to sour that process. But if uh, you genuinely want to help others with no thought of return for yourself, that's satisfying. And uh, that uh, kind of is what makes me tick. That's why I'm involved in what I do. <clears throat> yeah, there's a great book that uh, Patrick Lencioni wrote, uh, I think it was last year or two years ago, called The Motive. And listeners, if you really want to get at the motive of why you may want to go into leadership, it's a great book to read before you go into leadership, but also once you're in it, to, to self-check and to say, why am I in this? Is it for what Reiner yeah. said? You know, is it, is it to help others and develop them and not for self? Or is it because I want these perks that come with leadership? And uh, Reiner, you Great also point, mentioned, Paul. yeah, you mentioned that uh, there throughout history, it's riddled with bad leaders and of course, good leaders. So we can learn lessons yeah, from this both. Very day. <laughs> oh, you bet. True. You bet. Uh -huh. True. Uh, I don't know. Would you recommend reading biographies of good leaders if you're heading into the leadership uh you know, oh, profession. For sure. Absolutely. And I love history. So I'm constantly listening to podcasts as I'm taking my daily five mile hike, listening to leaders. I'm listening to one currently about uh, Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzig Norgay and their conquering of Everest and all the great leadership lessons there. But as you said, even the what we might call evil dictators out there, who've brought so much pain in the world uh, throughout history, we can learn from them, obviously through negative examples, but we can study them. So I'm a lover of history. And so reading biographies, as you said, uh, can be super beneficial. <clears throat> well, let me take a quick rabbit trail. You said a daily five mile hike. Has that been a habit in yeah, your life I'm, for a long time? 
I'm blessed in that I can control my own schedule and I have that freedom and I live in a beautiful place. We have lots of forests around us. So getting the dog out uh, off leash and uh, taking that walk clears my head and uh, sitting all day in, a, in an office or at a desk, as most of us realize, is not a good idea. It doesn't feel good and it hinders our productivity. So getting out there, I, I did it, in fact, just before we came on air. So um, very, very helpful and, and necessary for me to stretch, stretch these old muscles. <laughs> oh, I love the self-care uh, ritual that you have there. And yeah, getting out and yeah. uh, <laughs> I think the new term is forest bathing. Have you heard this term, Reiner? <laughs> yeah, I forest have. Bathing. I have. And I, I, I literally live in a temperate rainforest. So we, uh, <laughs> I wish we could show our, our audience where I live. It's a, a very uh, dark, uh, deep green very wet uh, forest, as is typical here in Western Washington. <clears throat> yeah, good, good stuff, good stuff. Well, as a yep. pastor, uh, what did you learn about people that influences you today when teaching, coaching, training in the workplace, all the way up to the Department of Defense? I'm sure you've had some some sort of crossover learnings about people that you're able to transfer. Yeah, certainly. Thanks for the good question, Paul. Again. You know, as a pastor, um, I learned very quickly that all of us, including myself, I'm pointing the finger at myself, all of us are broken to some degree or another, right? Yep. And the great news uh, is that according to uh, the Bible, and I I am a committed uh, Christian, according to the Bible, uh, we are taught that all human beings are deeply fallen and at the same time greatly loved by God. Those are some powerful principles there. And part of God's love and grace in our lives is giving us a purpose and mission. Uh, He gives us that. And so as a pastor, pointing that out to people, guiding them, helping to see that was very, very fulfilling. I get to do that even now as I'm not a full-time pastor day to day, I'm more of a volunteer, but in the work that I do, helping people find their mission and purpose. If they wanna go down the spiritual path, great, I'm glad to help them there. Even um, if they don't, they are not that interested in spiritual things, helping them find their unique gifts and talents is super fulfilling. So that's part of what I learned as a pastor. I've also learned as a pastor that when people discover and develop their God-given strengths, talents, and gifts, they end up making such a great impact for good again in the world. And they themselves are more confident and fulfilled. So since I'm all about helping people play to their strengths and achieve their goals, I think that people are drawn to that approach. They have radar, Paul, for that approach. They know when you're genuine about it versus being phony or fake. And therefore, they more readily engage in a coaching session with me or a training experience. And I think all of that comes from my background and years of experience uh, in leading a, a local church as a full-time pastor. I hope that answers your question, Paul. <clears throat> yeah, so good. And, and I think probably every listener it all wrestles with confidence, self-confidence once in a while. Uh, all my coaching clients, I think just about every one of them would say that they would love to have another infusion of confidence. And 
when you say that when you nail down that mission, your personal mission and your purpose in life, it builds that confidence, it builds that sense of satisfaction and fulfillment. That's that's so good. And Ryder, how do you, mm-hmm. I know you, you can't take us through an entire coaching session, but what would be a first step if one of our listeners was like, you know what, I, I need to rediscover my purpose. Is there a, an activity you could, that they could self-coach? Uh, great question. I'll touch on this maybe a little bit later in our okay. conversation, but let me just briefly answer your question. I would always ask them to write down their core values. Mm-hmm. Uh, most folks go through life never thinking that through. What really matters most? What is their belief system? What is their worldview? Uh, writing those things down, wrestling with that, uh, verbalizing it uh, is an absolutely essential foundation for moving forward uh, in their life, their career, their relationships, and, and certainly would help uh, in a, starting a coaching relationship, starting it off on the right foot. Uh, so there's a, a quick answer to your question. Yeah, core values. I do that with my clients as well. And you're right. The, 99% of people don't have never taken the time to do that. And uh, I know I'd, right. I had never done it uh, until I went to like a leadership program, a cohort program in town. And we went to a retreat to try to get uh, to get to know each other better. And one of the first things the trainer did was pulled out these, these value statements and said, all right, narrow this down. And I was like, wow, this is fun. You know, to be able to, to uh, self-examine yeah. and say, which ones are most important to me? Absolutely. Yeah. Very valuable exercise. Well, how did you get into the field of coaching, Reiner? What, uh, and what do you love about that? So I'll uh, rewind the, the tape, if you will, and turn back the clock to uh, 1989. Uh, my wife and I were asked to plant a church in Western Washington and uh, to start off uh, with no one, literally. And uh, very quickly, I realized that as a church planter, I needed help. I didn't even know what coaching meant, and I didn't realize at all what I was about to do. But I, I just intuitively started calling other church planters other mentors and started receiving coaching from them, picking their brains, having them ask me good questions. And that very quickly, Paul led to me uh, being trained as a coach. And so it became more formal, but, but I think the, the, the driving need is what every entrepreneur out there experiences. And they realize they can't pull this off on their own. And they need other people uh, to come alongside them. And that's a great definition of coaching, to encourage them, to ask them the right questions. And so um, to answer your other question about what I love about it, Paul, uh, to the very core of my being, I love helping people succeed. I know I'll repeat myself a lot uh, on that point today, but um, coaching is so unique in that I don't tell people what to do. I don't have to tell them, nor do I, because in uh, most situations, many situations, that's counterproductive. Instead, as a coach, I draw out of them what they want to do. And so when people come up with their own action plans, their motivation and their ownership is so much higher versus me telling them what to do. And I love that about coaching. 
Now, uh, you were uh, alluding to um, another piece of this, and let me just jump into it. What kind of a person would make a good coach? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe that we need coaches of all kinds of different personality profiles. You don't need to be an extrovert like me. I may not be a good match for some people. I think a better match would be someone with a different temperament for certain individuals. So we need all kinds of people uh, to practice coaching. And I I think that the indispensable requirement is a deep desire to help people come up with their own answers instead of always being lectured to. Uh, And that is a very difficult skill to develop. I know it was for me. it's a difficult skill to develop if you have a compelling need to always give others the answer or information you think is best for them. Many leaders have built their identity and career around telling and teaching. And so learning how to not teach or tell is sometimes difficult for leaders. It's a difficult switch to flip. But once they master that, they quickly see how beneficial a coaching approach can be. So that's a little history or background of uh, why I do what I do and what I think about coaching. What do you think about that, Paul? Totally agree. And I remember those first lessons that you taught me way back when uh, about drawing out a coach doesn't, doesn't give advice. Uh, I I remember even asking at some point in my coach training of like, do we need a special kind of insurance as a coach, you know, what if, what if somebody doesn't take our advice or they, they, uh, they do take our advice and it goes down the wrong uh, path. And I remember getting an answer from uh, a coach trainer saying, you know, very few coaches get sued uh, because they're not giving any advice. They're a true coach really is drawing out a person and what they know they need to do. And I was, I was really comforted by that first of all, Um, but Mm -hmm. it really, you know, it really hit home because I think most people do want to give advice. And uh, I think there's even a book called uh, Stop Giving Advice that just came out by uh, uh, Michael Bunye Stanier. And I just thought, like, I, I got to read that because I think most of us do just automatically blurt it out instead of asking yep. a question. For sure. And coaching yeah. is asking. Yeah. And coaching is asking the right questions. I'm putting you on the spot here, Reiner, but what are some of your favorite questions that um, get clients thinking so that when they're looking at you and saying, tell me what to do? I literally had a client say this to me yesterday, like, Paul, just tell me what to do in this situation. And we Uh, laugh uh, because uh, she knows that I'm not gonna, you know, but she's like, it would be so much easier if you just told me what to do. Uh, So yeah, we had a good laugh. But uh, what what are some of the coaches that put the onus back on the client? So uh, I'll talk about this later, perhaps, but just very briefly, I want to make sure that the questions I ask are always open-ended versus closed-ended. I don't want the person I'm coaching just to answer with a yes or no. I want them to develop their thinking. So here are some questions I like, and uh, these are always going to be open-ended and brief. First one, um, what's working? Simple two-word question, what's working? What's not working? Um, what can you celebrate right now in your life? So the focus on positivity there. Um, What's most important for you to work on right now? And then 
uh, following through with that, depending on their answer, what are some ways you might want to explore in getting there? What are some ways you could pursue this? And then helping them funnel down and narrow down what path will you choose? Uh, what resources will you require? What obstacles might you run into as you're developing your action plan and moving forward? So that is a, a quick a snapshot of some go-to questions that I use uh, that just come naturally to me, Paul. And it appears that many of them start with the word "what," and uh, so you would exactly. probably you would probably encourage people that want to get into the field of coaching or just want to use coaching in their day-to-day -day relationships to to start with that open-ended question of "what." Absolutely. Yeah. What or how? Either one of those works. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, and I love that question. What what are some of the ways to explore and getting to that goal or that that outcome? I think that's why I do what I do. That's one of my favorite questions because people get stuck. We all get stuck. We all get stuck in some right, category right. or area of our life, right? And so uh, I just feel this compulsion to try to help people get unstuck. And one of the ways is asking a, mm -hmm. a question like that. 100%. Yep. One, in all your roles, Ryan, you're a communicator, and uh, it sounds like you're a confessed extrovert as well. <laughs> <laughs> so once in a while, everyone listening today is put in a position of presenting information, either to another person or a team of people, possibly at work or in a volunteer role. What tips would you give mm -hmm. to us for being an excellent communicator? Great question. Thanks for that, Paul. Let me rattle off a few. Number one, be clear and concise. Brevity is good. Uh, one of my pet peeves is people who are too wordy, long-winded, constantly repeat themselves. When that happens, your audience tunes out so quickly. So be clear and concise. Number two, make your communication a two-way street. It's all about dialogue, not a monologue. So whenever possible, uh, most people learn and understand best via discussion. So that's a key to uh, good communication. I especially use that in a teaching and training classroom setting. Instead of me lecturing and doing a monologue for two hours uh, and killing the audience, it's so much more effective to hear from them and have an on a give and take conversation. Number three, uh, what I, I would say is be a skilled listener. And that kind of flows right out of it being a dialogue. Work diligently, constantly in improving your listening skills. Uh, number four, I'd say be an asker of well-thought-out, open-ended questions, which we alluded to earlier. Think through, I, I think good coaches, good trainers, teachers spend a lot of time composing their questions. They know how to ask good questions. Number five, tell good stories, personal stories, uh, examples, word pictures, metaphors. All of those are powerful tools to keep audience attention high, especially if you're required to give a monologue, a a public speaking type situation where you have to hold an audience's attention for 30 minutes or so or more, you better tell, you better be a good storyteller. 
Number six, I'd say use your natural sense of humor. Don't try to be someone else, uh, but be yourself as far as humor. Maybe it's a, a dry sense of humor. Maybe it involves self-depreciation in a, in a good way. Um, I think we can learn a lot as public speakers and communicators from stand-up comics. Mm-hmm. They have such a great sense of timing and delivery. They're excellent public speakers. Number seven, I would say, as I wrap up this list, is present your material in a way that appeals to different learning styles. And by that, I mean um, the four basic learning styles, and there's more, but the four basic ones are visual, then there's auditory, thirdly, there's read, write, and fourthly, kinesthetic. Good communicators tap into all of those learning styles and use different methods. And so my encouragement is to be creative, mix it up, so you're hitting the learning style of the the folks that you are communicating with. So I hope that helps, Paul, helps our audience uh, zero in on what it means to be a good communicator. Oh, that's so much gold right there. So much gold. Yeah, the just to give a few parentheticals on your list there, the, the clear and concise, um, I think when we ramble, it, it, it lowers our credibility. And like you said, the listening yep. quality goes down. People start to tune out. So uh, totally concur yep. definitely with that one. The, the two-way street in a presentation, you're a master at that, buddy. You, uh, uh, Reiner spoke for one of my, uh, my programs called Leader Launcher for Young Professionals here in my town. And uh, the, it was a two-hour virtual presentation, which can be a little agony, you know, for us trainers in the giving and also in the listeners, uh, the participants. And I felt like you spoke for five minutes and then it was interactive, then five minutes and interactive through the whole thing. Everybody was hanging on every word of the presentation because they were so engaged. So kudos to you, my friend. Thank you, Paul. I think that's <laughs> absolutely crucial for any speaker today go ahead yeah it really is it really is and people learning best by discussion it's like they're they're uh, when they're talking about learning while they're learning that's when it's registering it's very difficult to multitask and do something else uh, when you are involved in the discussion yeah bingo absolutely and the stories very very critical uh, I know when I tell a story, when I'm on, on a stage somewhere in a training opportunity, or even with a client one-to-one in a coffee shop, when I tell a story about myself, uh, and I'll, I'll, well, let's say I'm, I'm giving a couple of tips, you know, in a, in a training opportunity, like you do this, you do this, the heads are down, maybe they're taking notes, maybe they're tuning out. And as soon as I say, so the other day, I, as soon as I start telling a story, all the eyes come up. And it is yeah. just really fascinating, yeah. the power of story. That's right. It's amazing how that happens. Yeah, you can see it. It's very, very visible. And and the sense of humor, uh, you know, if you're a listener and you're like, yeah, my sense of humor is average. I'm not a funny person, guy or gal. Um, the, the little tip there you threw in there of we can learn a lot from stand-up comics. I listen to comedians every day in the car. I know that sounds funny, but <laughs> people probably wonder why I'm it. laughing by myself in the car, right? Uh, yeah. Like, why is that yeah, guy yeah. so jovial? But because I'm laughing at the at the jokes, but I think it does help my sense of humor develop to hear that. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Oh, pretty Good funny. Practice. Well, I love that. I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. It makes you, it makes your day. Well, let's take a quick break here. 
You are listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast on the Voice America Business Channel. You can follow me on Twitter at GrowingFWD and my guest Reiner Kuntz at Kuntz Reiner. So K-U-N-Z-R-A-I-N-E-R. When we come back, we're going to dive into our topic of this episode, which is trust. And what are Reiner's best tips for being more of a trustworthy person? Stick around. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're a manager or supervisor trying to keep your team and yourself engaged, motivated, and accomplishing goals, then you want to check out Bullseye, Paul Casey's membership community for team leaders, coming alongside you to achieve confidence and success in leading your team. Within Bullseye, there are plug-and-play forms and tools, inspirational audios to pump you up, team player videos to play in staff meetings, icebreakers for your one-to-ones, and of course, interaction with Paul and other industry team leaders to chat about how to solve the problems you are wrestling with. Paul will bring on live experts once a month to answer your questions on their expertise, and he will ping you twice a week via text to encourage you in your pursuit of your goals. Finally, there is a resource for anyone who supervises others and wants to develop their potential. Check out Bullseye to find out more and subscribe today for the best rates they'll ever be at growingforwardservices.net. That's growingforwardservices.net. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast. If you'd like to know more about Paul Casey or our program, please visit his website at growingforwardservices.net. Now, back to Grow Forward Today. Welcome back, Grow Forward Today guests. You are already growing forward with Reiner Kuhns, who gave us uh, some real uh, gold nuggets there about being a better communicator right before the break. Now we're going to delve into the topic of our podcast about how you can build trust. Reiner, why is being highly trusted the most important attribute of a leader and really in any relationship? Well, Paul, uh, this is not just my opinion, but if you look at uh, the plethora of leadership books out there that talk about characteristics of great leaders, one characteristic tends to stand above the rest. And that is effective, good leaders are always highly, highly trusted. Uh, You can have a a compelling vision, a rock-solid strategy, excellent communication skills, innovative insight, maybe even a skilled team. But if people don't trust you, you'll never get the results that you want. There's always this transaction going on between leaders and followers. And at the core of that transaction is trust. If I don't trust the leader, then that transaction is hampered. I I will not want to play ball with him or her. And quite possibly, I'll want to cancel that relationship. And we see that going on all the time. And numerous studies confirm it. One of the big reasons people leave uh, the work that they're doing or switch jobs is they don't trust their leaders. So 
I think this is a, a crucial attribute uh, in leadership, in any relationship, certainly. It's at the very core of healthy relationships. So true. You said, without trust, I won't play ball with you. <laughs> that, that's that's a really well, well put. And I, when I teach on change, I know you teach on leading change as well. You know, trust is yeah. the number one element, because if I don't believe in the messenger, I'm not going to believe in that message of change that's coming. And if I don't believe right. in that, uh, I might sabotage the effort. And I'm not going to go slash anybody's tires, mm -hmm. but but I may delay right. uh, following that order. I may uh, not return that email. Sure. I might gossip in the hallway uh, and try to build a little alliance against the change. And so, yeah, Yikes. establishing yeah. that relationship is huge. Uh-huh. For sure. Your passive aggressive side might kick in. We don't Ooh. want that ball. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I was asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> well, what are the benefits of being known as a trustworthy person? We could probably infer it from uh, that last comment, but also the opposite. What are the consequences when you haven't built trust with those around you? Yeah. Great question. Let me go short on the benefits because once again, they're self-evident and let's spend a little more time on the high costs of low trust. First of all, benefits, you know, leaders who inspire trust garner much better output from their team. Morale is so much higher. People want to go to work when they have a leader they trust. They're enthusiastic. Retention is so much higher. I know more and more people who are just passing up more money, promotions, prestige, just to stick with a leader they trust who cares about them. So retention's higher. Innovation and creativity go way up. Uh, loyalty, I think that, again, is obvious. We stick by each other when we trust each other. And therefore, productivity and revenue go way up. If you're out to make a profit, as most business people are, it's good and right. Um, having a higher return on your time and work is uh, certainly preferable. So now let me go negative, Paul. What are the costs of low trust? Well, mistrust fosters a lot of skepticism and cynicism. And that can become really toxic in the workplace. It can create frustration obviously low productivity, lost sales, low morale, as I said, and, and a very high turnover. I believe that trust uh, affects a leader's impact and the company's bottom line more than any other single thing. Now, rebuilding trust, Paul, I'm sure you've run into this, rebuilding it has become a top priority for a lot of organizations that are looking to break out of the negativity that has become maybe pervasive in their, in their group. Um, they're trying to overcome this self-centered, what's in it for me attitude that robs an organization of the, the best that employees can offer. So when employees perceive that an organization or its leaders are less than forthcoming, uh, employees become unwilling to contribute any discretionary energy or make any commitments to their organization's well-being beyond the absolute minimum. Here, here, Paul, here's what I call it. Um, 
for those of us here in the Northwest who are Seahawk fans, sorry if you're not, but a number of years ago, Marshawn Lynch became known worldwide for his statement, I'm just here so I don't get fined. He said that over and over again during press conferences at uh, the Super Bowl. Well, a lot of employees take on that attitude. I'm just doing the job to get a paycheck. I'm just here so I don't get fined. But their heart's not in it. So that's a huge, huge cost, high cost of low trust. Uh, lack of trust, as I said, creates cynicism and doubt and anxiety. Uh, people just, uh, in, instead of running to their leaders, they run away. I know some, one large organization that I work for and do training for actually has people that go hide. They, they, they disappear during their day and the employee, employers can't find them because they don't trust their leaders. Uh, and they doubt rather than cooperate. Um, so yeah, that, those are a few snapshots. I could talk more and more about this, but uh, let me wrap up this way, Paul. Ken Blanchard, who is the revered, well-known leadership authority uh, in our age, uh, did some research on more than a thousand leaders, and he reinforced this point. 59% of respondents indicated they had left an organization due to trust issues, often citing lack of communication and flat-out dishonesty as key contributing factors. I could go on and on, but I better better stop uh, for, for now. That's a that's a lot there, but it's yeah, we don't uh, want any of pretty, that. Pretty pretty highly emotional uh, <laughs> topic. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, we don't want any of those things, right? Right, listeners, we don't we don't want any no. of those. <laughs> that's quite the for quite sure. the negative list. And uh, and if leaders don't give it a moment's thought, I mean, what are all the right. the things that are falling apart behind them in their people if they don't? Uh, focus on what we're talking about here today of building trust. Wow. Uh, and I, I think, sure. I think the, the good thing about making that list, even though it sounded a little discouraging, maybe to hear is if you sense you're becoming cynical or skeptical yeah. or frustrated or that you want to run away and hide, or you hear that in your friends or your, um, your family members, even, or your workmates, um, that's a, that's a clue. That's a, that's a warning flag to say, Got to move toward my leader because something's not right here. Well, take us through some strategies that anyone can apply, Reiner, for building trust in relationships at work or outside of work. What, what's one of the primary ones you'd start with? Yeah, let's go positive now. This is the fun stuff. So uh, forgive me for belaboring the negative, but a lot of folks <laughs> no, no. are uh, living in a dream world. They, they don't realize what's going on. So sometimes we have to wake them up. So let's go positive. I think that one of the biggest mistakes a leader can make is to assume that others trust him or her simply by the virtue of their, of their title. And Paul, you and I know trust is not a benefit that comes packaged with uh, the nameplate on your door. It's got to be earned. It takes time. It doesn't, you can't flip a switch. It's not overnight. And so as a leader, you're trusted only to the degree that people believe in your ability, consistency, integrity commitment to deliver. So the good news is you can earn trust over time. And so I've got eight key steps or strengths, if you will. I want to give credit to whom credit is due. I have a hunch based on what I've read and heard that these originally in some form came from Stephen Covey, the great leadership author. So um, 
they may have been modified, they all start with the letter C, and I'm applying them to building trust. So here's the first C, Paul. The word clarity. People trust the clear. They mistrust the ambiguous. Let that sink in. People trust the clear, distrust the ambiguous. So be clear about your mission, your purpose, expectations, daily activities. When a leader is clear about expectations, they'll likely get what they want. When we're clear about our priorities on a daily basis, we'll become more productive. And so, Paul, I want to invite you in on each of these. I don't want to go too long on each one. If you want to jump in and comment on them or underline, uh, feel free. So that was the first one, Paul, clarity. Yeah, let me jump in on that one real quick. So I, I picture Please. a used car salesman. And if you're listening and you use car salesman, I am not uh, lumping you in with everyone, but I'm picturing a, a person <laughs> that I've uh, that I've interacted with many 25 years ago and the ambiguousness of the sale, the cost of the car uh, or yeah. um, how, you know, any mechanical issues it has had, the longer we go in that ambiguity, the less I trust that person has my best interest at heart in selling the vehicle that I want. So I, I can see that even in a family, uh, a parent could be ambiguous with, are we going to go to Disneyland this year? Well, maybe, well, you know, it's possible. Well, if, you know, and after a while, the child right. just gives up with their hopes on that. Cause it's like, yeah. well, I, I guess soon we're not going. They're exasperated. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So let me go to the second letter C, and that is the word compassion. Paul, I believe that people put their faith in those who care beyond mm. themselves, care about others. And uh, I would challenge our listeners, never underestimate the power of sincerely caring about another person. People are, you know, are often skeptical about whether someone really has their best interests in mind. Um, but once we prove that to them, it's not fake or phony, we don't have an ulterior motive, then they realize I can trust this person. And uh, the, the old maxim, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, is certainly appropriate here. So show compassion uh, and care is the second C. <clears throat> Keep going. The, uh, keep going. Third keep going. one. <laughs> keep going. Yeah, you just you just tell me to keep going or stop. Character <laughs> is the third C. I think people notice those who do what is right ahead of what is easy. So leaders who have built this pillar in their career and their approach consistently do what needs to be done when it needs to be done, whether they feel like doing it or not. It's the work of life to do what is right rather than what is easy. So character is crucial. We could talk all day about that one, Paul, for sure. But uh, I want to follow a leader who, and I trust leaders who are people of character and integrity. Uh, the fourth C is the word contribution. I think few things build trust quicker than actual results, right? At the end of the day, people need to see outcomes. You can have compassion and character, but without the results you promise, people will not trust you. So be a contributor who delivers real results. Don't be a ball dropper who says, well, something got in the way. No, deliver, follow through. And that's, that's also true. I'll, I'll jump in on that one, yeah. uh, Reiner. Is, yeah. uh, sometimes listeners can be, um, aren't even seen as good listeners if they don't take some kind right. of action, I, I've had uh, 
leaders tell me like, they tell me I'm not listening, but I'm totally listening. I've heard every word I've taken notes. And then I've said, so did you do anything about that? And they're like, well, well, no, but I heard them out. I mean, it's, it's an unfair judgment that they say I'm not a good listener. So I think people do need to see the results and outcome if they are going to believe that you're on their side. Well said. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Let me go to the next C and that is the word competency. People have confidence in those who stay fresh and relevant and capable. So the humble and teachable person is the person who keeps learning new ways of doing things and staying current on ideas and trends. And they live that out. They model it. They are lifelong learners, as we say. Um, According to one study that I read, the key competency of a successful new MBA is not a specific skill, but rather the ability to learn amid chaos. And boy, do we need that today Yeah, because things are changing at an ever faster pace. So, so to say, you know, I've been there, done that, or let's just do the same thing that we used to do does not inspire trust. So write that one down practice competency, especially when it comes to flexing in the midst of a chaotic situation. The next C is the word connection. People want to follow and buy from and be around people they feel connected to, friends. And friendship is all about building connections. So trust is all about relationships. And relationships are best built by establishing genuine connection. Not fake or phony or with an ulterior or manipulative motive, but a genuine connection. Again, going back to caring for people. So asking good questions, listening, and showing gratitude is huge here. Go ahead, Paul. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think not only just connecting with the individual in a sincere, genuine way, but making connections for others, caring about that person to say, you need to talk to so-and-so because they can help you with that one thing. Right. And I think you and I know, and we all know this intuitively, grateful people who care about others don't come across as entitled or stuck up or elite. They don't complain. They don't gossip. Instead, they show genuine gratitude. They connect with people and uh, others are drawn to them. So trustworthiness goes way up. Let me give you another letter C, and that is the word commitment. People believe in those who stand for something, especially in the midst of adversity. Uh, We talk about a lot of historical leaders who embodied this. General George Patton, Martin Luther King Jr., Gandhi, Jesus, George Washington, even President Zelensky in the Ukraine at this moment is being applauded for his commitment. Instead of running away and hiding, he stayed with his people. He showed commitment and commitment builds trust. It's inspiring. The next C and last is the word consistency in every area of life. It's the little things done consistently that make the big difference. And the little things done consistently make for a higher level of trust and better results. Great leaders consistently do the small stuff uh, but most important things first, and they make that they make that phone call or write that thank you note, uh, and they make that their lifelong practice. So trust can't be built overnight, Paul. You and I know that it requires a lot of time and effort and diligence, and uh, then people know 
that 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 leader has a track record. They didn't fake it. They they really mean it. Uh, trust is kind of like a forest. Here's a word picture for you as I wrap up this part. A forest takes a long time to grow. It can burn down, however, with just a touch of carelessness. But if you focus on these eight components with every action, you're going to foster trusted relationships, no matter what you're involved in, a family, a company, a nation. And that's going to achieve results. So hope that was helpful, Paul. Sail the eight C's instead of the seven C's. You got to sail the eight C's with with, with Reiner's <laughs> tips today, and you can there you can you really benefit from this. And that last one, consistency, I think that's the one I think of uh, automatically. If you were to say, you know, trust, what's the what's the driver of that? And it's I can count on your mood every day. I can count on your actions every yeah. day. I could count on mm -hmm. uh, your responses every day. You're not holding me hostage by uh, a roller coaster behavior style. Uh, and again, this could be in your family and it could be uh, in a workplace, but uh, all those we can all self-examine and go, okay, scale one to 10, how am I doing uh, in that area? So I would encourage you to, to listen to this one again, listeners, because uh, each one of those, we've got some positives that we're doing really well already. And then there's that one that's like, oh, you know, I could work a little bit harder on that one. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, Reiner, pretend all our listeners have hired you and you only get one coaching session. Of course, we never do this as coaches because you can only get so much done in one session. But let's right. just pretend. What would you give them for homework before they meet with you? Great question. Let me repeat briefly what I said before and then add to it. First, I'd have you write down your values. What is most important to you overall in life? What's the big picture for you? What matters? And then I would have people write down in order of priority what they need to accomplish in the next 30 days, next 90, six months, beyond that. And, and now evaluate how those tasks and goals fit with your overall core values. Very important. Um, a very famous uh, professor, Dr. Howard Hendricks, uh, sat down with me when I was 30 years old, the young man, the young leader, and he listened to me patiently and only really said one thing. He asked a question at the end. He said, Reiner, there are many things we can, you can do, but what must you do? So I would always come back to that question for someone I was coaching. I hope that helps, Paul. Yeah. You got to hang out with Howard Hendricks? Man, I am jealous. <laughs> had, had lunch with him. Yeah, one of the great joys of my life. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yeah, so sit at the feet of great leaders, uh, listeners. Uh, anybody that's uh, in a place where you want to be, uh, take them to lunch, pay for their lunch, and ask them a lot of great questions. So good stuff. You bet. Well, <laughs> do it. Well, Reiner, last couple of questions. What do you want to promote for our listeners' personal leadership development, and how can our listeners best contact you? So very quickly, I, my uh, heartfelt encouragement to all the leaders and heads of companies and wh wherever they might be, don't shortchange training and coaching for yourself and your organization. This should, be, should not be the first thing you drop because of a tight budget, but the last thing. Invest in your people, invest in yourself, your, your own development. Uh, and certainly Paul and I, our plates are full. We're always open to more, but we can't cover everyone. There are so many good trainers and coaches out there. Avail yourself of them. 
And then if you'd like to connect with me, take a look at my website. It's very simply stated, uh, reinerkuntz.com, one word, no spaces. Let me spell it, R-A-I-N-E-R-K-U-N-Z as in zebra.com. And let me know if I can help you or your organization with uh, any courses. I teach many. Uh, you can look at my course catalog there, or if I can help uh, coaching you as an individual or your entire team. So that wraps it up for me, Paul. I hope this was helpful today, and thanks for the uh, opportunity to chat with you. Super helpful. Thank you, Reiner, for the value that you added to Grow Up Forward today, and uh, keep leading well. Thank you. Well, I have some takeaways from Reiner today. Boy, there was so many. It's hard to narrow it down to three. Uh, but if you want to be more of a coach in your day-to-day -day life, whether that's at work or in your personal life, uh, ask the right questions. Don't be an advice giver uh, in order to just have a heart for helping people succeed, but don't tell them what to do. Try to draw out their next step. A second thing we talked about being a good communicator, good reminders to be clear and concise, not wordy. Make it a two-way street, more of a dialogue than a monologue and, and tell good stories because people really remember those. And then... Uh, the, the eight C's were extremely valuable to building trust. The compassion phrase that he gave that people put their faith in those who care. That one, that one hit home for me and I hope it hit home for you as well. The GFT podcast is all about putting the practical tips from my guests into action for your personal leadership development. And remember, if you learn something and don't put it into action within 72 hours, those valuable gems start to slip out of your brain gradually until they lose their value to your life. Hey, if you're looking for a coach, Reiner and I are both open to that uh, for your leadership team at work to improve communication, to stay intentional in pursuit of team goals through Zoom, virtual team co coaching might be the breakthrough you need this year. So I'm at growingforward at paulcasey.org if you want to chat about it. Thanks for listening to episode 16. Please spread the word about this podcast to the other achiever friends in your life who are hungry to grow forward in their lives. Remember, you must lead yourself well before you can lead your team well. And until next week, keep growing forward. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Grow Forward Today. Remember to visit Paul's website for more tools that you can use at growingforwardservices.net. Join us again for another edition very soon on the Voice America Business Channel.